our first guest on this pod would be Riyad Abu Jaudi. He's a long. He his career started at Kareem. Now he's a partner at MEVP, investing in different startups in the MENA region. He has a lot of insights to give us about the markets, how he's investing in startups, and what trends we could see. Welcome, to, welcome, Riyad. Thank you, thank you, Ahmad. Just a correction: my career started in Booz, Booz and Co. And uh, yeah, after the MBA, it was at Kareem. Actually, during the okay. MBA, it was at Kareem. Okay. Yeah. Hey, quick question: How did you get to Kareem? Like, if you could, if you could give us, how did you get to Kareem? And then, just in two three minutes, how did you launch your career in investing and in startups? Just who is Riyadh in two to two, two, two to three minutes? Who is Riyadh? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so basically, I was doing an MBA at Wharton in entrepreneurship, and uh, I was always, uh, you know, interested in startups, wanted to launch my own company. And, uh, you know, part of the program, we have to do an uh, internship, right? And uh, I wanted to do it in a startup. And uh, at the time, through uh, my brother, who knew, who knew the founders of, uh, of Kareem, uh, Magnus and Mudasser, he connected me uh, with them because I was looking for a, for a startup in the MENA region. And uh, I spoke to them, I spoke with Mudasser, and uh, at the time I didn't know what he was building, but uh, he explained to me the vision and he was very bold at the time in 2013. He said they want to build the best company in the MENA region. And I, I thought, wow, this is, uh, this is very ambitious. And, uh, 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 and I joined them for, uh, for a summer to do the internship. I was uh, responsible for Qatar. You know, f- from the first discussion to the time I joined, my role changed three times, you know, startups, uh, uh, you know, nothing is stable in startups. And um, it was uh, pre-funding for for Kareem, so pre their uh, major fund. So it was only, you know, angels at the time. And there were about uh, 20 people at Kareem, mostly operations. So, uh, yeah, I was in the very, very, very early days. And then went back to my MBA, finished it, and um, returned to uh, Strategy End at the time. Bruce got acquired by, by PwC, and uh, they rebranded to Strategy End. And... I was sponsored by them, so I finished uh, a year, a year and a half, and then uh, uh, joined MVP. Uh, I joined MVP because I met uh, one, uh, one of the partners of uh, MVP, who was a Wharton alum as well, through the events at uh, uh, the alumni events of Wharton, and we always discussed uh, startups in the region and companies. So at some point, they had launched a new fund and they wanted to grow. So he he asked me, he said, you know, you're very interested in startups. Why don't you? Either launch a startup or join a VC, and uh, and this is how it happened. Yeah. Following up on that, you mentioned you moved into being a venture capitalist, kind of giving money to startups. Uh, could you describe what is the job of a venture capitalist? How does he find startups? How does he get in touch with founders? Uh, where does he look? Do you need to have a following so you could get to as many founders as you can, or like how does it go? What's a what's a venture capitalist? What's a What's your day-to-day job? Yeah, I think venture capitalist, uh, as a definition, in my opinion, is a believer, believer in a vision of a, of a startup. Uh, you know, it varies by stage, but we believe that a company is building something important and valuable, and we invest to make that vision happen, right? So we invest uh, and help the company grow, uh, grow their team, grow their product, grow their customers, etc. So uh, our job is... Uh, not to give people money, but to invest, right? And uh, b- help them build the vision. We don't get involved in the business. We support them. Uh, we tell them what they need to hear sometimes if there's tough uh, situations. And uh, we guide them to grow. We help them to network connections. 
open up new market for them, uh, new investors, uh, new new customers, and uh, and then uh, reinvest in them until we they are at a certain size. Uh, we try to find an exit, so whether an IPO or an acquisition, etc. And, and and the way we find startups is first we have we build a strong brand for ourselves, so startups come to us. But we also actively engage. Uh, we actively use LinkedIn, Twitter to find new entrepreneurs. We go to events. Uh, we uh, participate in uh, entrepreneurship, uh, 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 you know, ecosystem events like university stuff, um, accelerator incubators, uh, other mentoring. It's just to meet entrepreneurs in the early stage, keep a relationship, and then invest when they need to invest. Yeah, love to hear that. You mentioned that when when you're when you're when you invest in a startup, you're helping helping them network, helping them, giving them advice. When you're sitting with a founder for the first time, is there kind of you promising them something before you invest in them? You're telling them, okay, we're going to provide you these services, or does it come along the way? We see a lot of VC firms. They're like, okay, we'll help you do the marketing. We'll help you do the hiring. What kind of firm is MEVP? Like, what do you promise the founders? Do you promise the founder anything or no? Is it just... We're going to give you advice along that sort. Look, there's a, there isn't an explicit promise. There's an implicit promise that will be by their side. We support them. We'll tell them, uh, you know, the hard truth and the hard facts when they need to hear that. Uh, we'll push them. Uh, we'll help them recruit. We'll introduce candidates to them. We'll help push their narrative in the market, uh, push their vision, sell it to other investors. We'll help them with customers. We'll help them with uh, uh, technology, etc. However, it's all you know. Uh, pulled, uh, we are pulled in by the founders to support them. We don't come in and run the show at all. Uh, you you mentioned uh, you're at MEVP. Could you tell me more? What are the funds you have at MEVP? How, uh, what are categories of startups you invest in? Uh, how how does your portfolio look like? Yeah. So uh, at MEVP, we're uh, we're a, we're a VC managing multiple funds. Uh, we're at any point in time actively investing from one fund. So right now we're investing from fund number three, which is called Middle East Venture Fund Three. Uh, before that, we had two funds. The first one was a $10 million fund. Second one was a $32 million fund. And this current fund, Fund Three, is the $90 million fund. We invest in technology startups, Series A+, so not very early stage. Fund Two and Fund One were earlier stage funds, but Fund Three is not an early stage fund. So um, each fund has a geographic, has an investment strategy, and that investment strategy includes stage, uh, so early stage, seed stage, uh, or you know, series A plus, growth stage, etc., and has a geographic focus and has investment themes. And investment themes typically include sectors and subsectors. And uh, uh, this is more uh, dynamic and fluid because you know over the investment period of the fund, which is three years, things change. So, however, when we launch the fund, we have a theme, we have investment themes, and then we adapt them over time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's you mentioned? You had a seed seed stage kind of fund, and now you're going to growth funds. Yeah. What's the difference between each fund in terms of how you invest in startup? What are your categories in choosing these startups you want to invest invest in? Yeah. So uh, the themes don't change. However, the stage and changes. Right. So in the early stage. We invest, uh, you know, uh, we don't invest pre-product at the MVP. We invest post-product, but potentially pre-traction or, or very early traction. So we see little evidence. The, the company has a product and, they, are, and they, they have a target segment, but they don't necessarily have each product market fit. And product market fit means when 
I know what my product is. I know uh, what the problem I'm solving is. Uh, and I know who my target market is. And uh, I know they work because I'm getting traction and customers are paying for it. So product market fit is uh, when I know the problem, I have the solution and I have the right price and the right segment. Uh, and the segment and the customer is paying for my price, right? For my service, right? Uh, for growth stage for us is after product market fit. So the company cannot iterate in the product, cannot change their segment, cannot change their target market, etc. They know that uh, after a few iterations that they know that this is what they are solving. This is their product. This is their target segment. Now they need money to expand into new geographies, into expanding their sales team, into growing their marketing spend, etc. And this is the core difference. So right now, uh, we come in with companies who have somehow demonstrated product market fit, meaning they, they there is traction and evidence that shows that customers are buying the products, they like it, etc. It doesn't have to be revenues, but it has to be it has to show that uh, uh, there is traction and uh, the customers like the product and are using it more and more. Love that. We based on what you said at the beginning, you said you want to help companies either that get acquired or get listed and we see we've seen a couple of companies in the region kareem got acquired by uber uh we, we saw angami getting listed and we're seeing a couple of other startups getting either acquired or listed what are kind of the what's the difference between both and when you're speaking to a founder what are a, what is a checklist you give a founder this is what you need to get acquired and this is what you need to get listed uh, look, there is uh, the, the the difference is very big. Being acquired is selling yourself to another company. Uh, most likely, it's a private company, but it could be a public company. The transaction, not a lot of details are are uh, you know uh, released to the public. Uh, not a lot changes uh, from a day-to-day -day operation, other than you know the owners changing and you have to integrate, etc. Listing is a different game because you have to become accountable to your shareholders. Anyone can. Uh, buy a share of your company. So there are some regulations you have to abide by. There's more transparency, uh, more accountability. There's more, in my opinion, getting listed is much more difficult than getting acquired. Getting acquired is a more uh, inbound effort and you becoming attracted to someone and they target, they are targeting you. Of course, you can market yourself to get, uh, you know, to sell yourself. However, it's better when you are approached to, 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 to get acquired. For listing, you have to, you know, engage bankers and other, uh, you know, advisors to support you. It's more complex, takes more time, has more risk. It might not provide liquidity to the shareholders uh, immediately. There are lockups involved and other considerations when selling your shares. However, with acquisitions, uh, typically the investors sell their shares, so it's easier for the investors to to exit and create a return. So as an investor, you, what's your preference? Do you, would you push your company to go towards getting listed more or acquire, getting acquired? Or you don't have a preference yeah. in the outcome? There's no preference. I think it varies on a case-by-case -case with the startup, uh, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Going from there, your fund three, I, I've, I've heard you mm. speak before that you started kind of, kind of investing in crypto or web three hmm. uh what is what does it look for web three in the future in the region where are we at are we at the beginning stage uh, growing more how's web three looking in the mina region very 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 early days <laughs> so we're not seeing a lot uh there's you know unfortunately a lot of fluff and and you know pseudo scams etc so we are careful 
uh, our our nature at MVP, we like to build new themes and to be on top of the trends. However, this is so nascent globally and in the MENA region that MENA region that it's not our DNA to come in so early pre-product, etc. We've done one investment in Web3 and one in a blockchain in a crypto exchange. So this is what we've done so far. Could you talk more about these two investments? Yeah. So the first one was Rain. You know, it's a it's the Coinbase of the MENA region, the first properly regulated exchange. Now there are many, of of course, but uh, this was the first one. They allow people to buy and sell crypto uh, currencies, um, and they are regulated by the Central Bank of Bahrain. <laughs> we invested, led the Series A, then uh, Coinbase, Paradigm Ventures, and Claim Perkins led the Series B. Uh, the second investment is uh, Nifty Nifty Craft, which is a NFT uh, forge for the gaming industry. So on. On NiftyCraft, the vision, it's pre-launched. The vision is to basically allow uh, creators to create their own NFTs for games, like, for example, items, tools, characters, uh, dresses, etc., and sell them cross-games. So it will be like a way to for creators to build and sell uh, across games. Uh, the reason we came in early uh, so early is because we knew the founder. Uh, he is, uh, we had invested in him before. And we we know his we trust him so we invested early we believe in the vision but we did a small amount so we'll see how this progresses and uh, potentially double down you said something interesting here that you knew the founder you invested in him mm. when you're looking at a startup or do you really just focus on the product or do you look at the founder how excited he is the team around him what what makes or breaks your decision to invest is it the product alone or is it the founders and the team around the founder no, it's definitely a combination. So it's the team and uh, it's the founder of his team and her team. Uh, it's the product, what they are building. It's the target uh, size. Uh, it's the traction so far. It's the competitive dynamic and the business model. So, uh, yeah, we look at everything. Now, if it's pre, pre-launch, pre-product, etc., which is not what we usually do, it's definitely the team. Right and division. If it's you know anything after that, we look at uh, you know attraction and uh, you know we look at the team they have assembled, who have they hired, etc. A question on that: We've seen a lot of a lot of startups uh, here in the U.S. and maybe in in the MENA region that got people got invested in and then they ended up not having a product. How do you do your due diligence when you're sitting in a founder? What are for like people who are investing, what are due diligence items you you advise to look into before deciding to invest or not in a startup? Yeah, we have a checklist that we go <laughs> over. We prepare a commercial due diligence where we go over the founders, the business, the product, uh, the market, uh, the unit economics, the go-to-market strategy, the business model, the traction, etc. We build an investment memo, which is approved by the investment committee. After that, we do a financial due diligence and a technology due diligence. These are done by external parties. We they look at uh, at the technology and the finance, and we do also a legal uh, due diligence uh, where we go over. But but these are short due diligence. The biggest one is the commercial one. Uh, do we go over the company's corporation, who owns what, where was the IP registered, etc. And then we, we do like a list of uh, changes to fix, uh, you know, uh, most of the time the startups, they're early, the house is not really in order, employees don't have the right contracts, uh, you know, the IP is sitting sometimes in the founder's name, things like that. But these are all very easily uh, fixed. Okay. 
a, a question I'd, I'd have to go more on that is you or to go to move on what are you seeing trends that are happening in the MENA region in the coming five to ten years where where do you think startups is going what kind of startups are you seeing what themes of startups do you want founders to go and build in uh, i think it varies by country <laughs> so uh, egypt is different than saudi arabia and saudi arabia is different than you know, Jordan or Pakistan. Uh, it's certain th uh, themes. So Web3 is a theme uh, very relevant to Turkey, Lebanon, uh, uh, Pakistan, and now e uh, Egypt with all the devaluations happening and uh, uh, currency problems, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, a transition access uh, in technology as access for banking services, for financial services, for uh, transportation in uh, Egypt, in Pakistan, etc. In the in Saudi, we're you know looking at a transformation of certain industries uh, from offline to online. So looking at, for example, banking becoming more digitized, uh, seeing uh, e commerce and retail moving more online, uh, seeing uh, pharmacy and others. So basically, after digitization of uh, of commerce, uh, of retail and uh, content, everything else is, you know, moving online. Uh, we're also seeing uh, uh, embedded finance becoming a new, a new trend growing in the region, and, and many more. Like there's a lot going on. Uh, in my view, like uh, entrepreneurs keep finding ways to uh, remove middlemen, increase productivity, uh, which is what technology does. You, you speak about fintech and like uh, currency valuations in Lebanon and Egypt. Why do you think it's it's too hard for people in, in different countries in the region to adapt fintech, to go credit card, online payments, and are still like, oh, I want to pay, I, I want to pay in cash. I don't want to go online. What do you, where do you see the trend going, and why wh why is it still holding back? I don't think it's a user preference. It's access, right? Not a lot of people have enough. Uh... Uh, ways to pay online, right? So it's access. Uh, if more people had uh, ways to pay, and I think this is a, a trend that is happening everywhere. It's not going to uh, to stop. Uh, but it's not only about paying online. You know, it's about access to uh, a mortgage or access to uh, a loan or, uh, uh, you know, uh, salary advance. You know, all the little problems that every person has to deal with on a daily basis uh, or insu buying insurance, uh, being digitized, right? Going to a doctor, uh, becoming uh, easier, faster, getting your medicine, etc. You spoke earlier about you in, you're investing. You're, you're investing in Egypt, Lebanon, KS, KSA, Bahrain, UAE. I know each country in there has different regulations, has different yeah. allowance for you yeah. to invest. How how are you because? And the reason I'm mentioning that I tried building a uh, crowdfunding platform, and I heard I had like a wall building that platform because of the different regulations in the region how how are you guys as a, at mvvp or investors managing these different regulations and dealing with these different regulations so as investors we don't have any issues we're regulated as a fund in dubai and in, in other countries uh, we're regulated when we when it comes to fundraising etc but we're not regulated when it comes to investing uh, um 
with the regulation comes in different sectors. So if you're building a financial services company, you're regulated if you want to take deposits, you're regulated if you want to give lending, and it varies by region. The regulation is, a, is problematic because uh, you, uh, fintechs in the region have to get regulated by every country they operate in, so it creates a problem. But it's also a, a way to deter uh, competition, uh, to basically safeguard consumer uh, protection uh, and consumer rights, etc. So regulation is necessary, and the startups have to know if the sector they're operating in is regulated, what are the regulations, and how to navigate those. Taking a step back, if you were part of Karim, um, mm. as being part of a startup, what are the vibes or what, are, what is the culture that told you that this company is going to be successful, that uh, they're going to reach their goal. Like what is, just like we say, the PayPal mafia, it's, uh, it's, it's like a real hard. mafia. Yeah, it's very hard, Ahmed, to know. Honestly, you have <laughs> okay. to be a believer. When I was in Karim at the time, I was, you know, this was uh, 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago. I was, uh, it was hard for me to see that this is going to be successful. And, uh, that, but the, for the founders, they were very determined. So the determination not seeing any setback or any problem as a setback, just seeing, you know, seeing through the problem, fixing them, just another day, another problem and going, you know, solving for that issue. And I think the Karim founders did a fantastic job with that. I was there in the beginning and I used to think, how, 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 do, how do these believe that, how do these founders believe that they can break the taxi mafia or the taxi monopoly, the regulation, all the problems, but they did it. And, uh, you know, they were incredible in the execution. They were incredible in, the, in believing. They were incredible in selling the vision to investors, to uh, to employees, etc. So uh, you have to be very determined. And I think when I look at founders, I look for people who have a strong vision, have a strong uh, belief in their vision, strong will to uh, achieve what they are about to achieve uh, and take setbacks as, you know, just... Uh, a bump in the road and, uh, you know, uh, a normal uh, 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 part of the startup life. And just like you said, startups, is, it's up and downs. Sometimes you're really like, oh, I figured it out. Mm. And a second later, you're like, what's happening? I can't figure it out anymore. Uh, I'm getting to my last two questions. Looking at your portfolio, what what is a company? I mean, so before looking at portfolio, you invested in different startups yeah. uh, in the region, different sectors. Is there a startup you sat with the founder and you weren't convinced by their pitch, but after a year or two, you're like, I missed it. I should have invested. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, we yeah. cannot uh, invest in all the winners, and we are going to invest in some companies that will not make it. And yeah, I have personally you know, uh, passed on some investments that did very well. And uh, it's hard to it's hard to accept. However, it happens and it's part of our job. Our, uh, we have to find and support uh, companies to grow. And sometimes we, we fail and we, sometimes we miss companies and sometimes we, we just uh, are unable to uh, make that happen. Would you be able to give an example of a startup you missed or? Uh, startup I missed? Personally, uh, look, I, I'd rather not focus on that. Let let us <laughs> focus okay. on maybe maybe you know like uh, companies that uh, look. I've seen over seven years in uh, in the industry. I've seen uh, hundreds of startups. You know, just, just don't want to focus on a couple. But no, is that totally understand? Uh, one one last question. Uh, is there a startup that's super early or a founder that's super Hello? early that's building another startup now that you'd be like, 
this is this is a winner. Uh, this is who I'll focus on. Sorry, Ahmed, this you, is where we want to go for, and uh, look at. A few uh, seconds. Can you repeat the oh. question? Okay. Uh, yes. And so uh, my question was: uh, Is there a founder or a startup now in the region that you like? This is where everyone should be focusing. This is uh, a, a winner. They're just starting. Look at the startup. Uh, no, there are many. There isn't just one. There are many, many companies being built. <laughs> I see really okay. determined, strong people <laughs> in uh, across the board. You know, yesterday I was with a founder from Morocco. We're seeing a few interesting things in Turkey, Egypt, uh, Lebanon, Saudi, Pakistan. It's it's really exciting and definitely you. It's exciting what we are seeing. I'd like to see more entrepreneurs coming from certain parts of the world, like Jordan, uh, Palestine, uh, you know, uh, Qatar, Bahrain, Oman. However, uh, I'm sure there are many good companies in, in those. Riyad, uh, we're coming to the end yeah. of my questions. Thank you so much for being honest, answering, helping us understand venture capitalists investing in the region and helping founders understand uh, what 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 is an investor looking for in a startup? Uh, wh where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you if a founder wants you to invest in their startup? Where can they reach yeah, out so to you? Yeah, so I have an you? open profile on LinkedIn. Anybody can uh, DM <laughs> me. I also you know I'm reachable on Twitter. My email is just my first name dot last name at MVP. So yeah, feel free to reach out on me on LinkedIn or Twitter, and I'm always uh, I've, I, you and I met on Twitter. So. Yeah, I would love, uh, yeah. would love to connect. Just uh, don't harass me on, on, on WhatsApp. Yeah, I, mean, I, I get a lot of uh, those follow-ups <laughs> on WhatsApp, etc. It's hard to differentiate personal from business on WhatsApp, so I prefer to be reached on uh, on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. And I could vouch for that. I, I don't know Riyadh before. I reached out to him on yeah. Twitter. And uh, I mean, just get, give him a week or two because he, he, he's busy. So, and, but he'll answer. <laughs> yeah, he'll absolutely. I don't sure. check my Twitter every day, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. Thank you so much, Riyadh. Thank you, Ahmad. Okay. This was this was fun. Thank you. <laughs>